Hello and welcome to the Metapod, a Pokemon TCG podcast that revolves around the evolving meta. But today, today, ladies and gents, we're taking a left turn, just like in NASCAR. We are going over and we're steering away from competitive as much. And we're getting into a new, well, we've actually brushed on this topic before, but now we're bringing in some huge, big brain and to talk about the collecting side, the side that's booming, that's the topic. Everybody's talking about collecting, whether that's pricing on different sets, um, availability on different sets, things like that. But let me actually introduce the people who are with us today. Sean, my co-host, as always, how are you doing? I'm good. I'm, I'm back, back in the saddle again, as they say. Yes, it was, uh, <laughs> it, was, it was very lonely last week with you here. But then to my right... Uh, meta- metaphorically, <laughs> metaphysically met- to your right, <laughs> yeah, meta- metaphysically to my right. We have the real breaking Nate here on the podcast. Nate, how are you doing? I'm doing great. And now everybody's like, oh, that guy. We had to have <laughs> that guy on the podcast. <laughs> we see his videos pop up all the time on YouTube. He's annoying. We don't want him on here. <laughs> well, no. especially if you follow me on Twitter, because now I'm now I'm retweeting your stuff and saying, hey, look, uh, I, I made this. I made this video. Come. Mm-hmm. Come watch it. You're the so. Simpsons character that's like, I'm helping. Yeah, <laughs> that's literally what it is. Well, I'm glad oh. to be on here. Thank you for for letting me come on here and, and chat with you all. It's awesome to have you because, I mean, there's a lot of people that do play the Pokemon game collect- collectively. And usually we talk about the competitive scene, but especially through like, you know, we've actually gotten a couple emails. We've we get people that add us on Twitter and stuff. And like, even through like my Twitch community or people on YouTube or something, you know, they, they tell me about this collecting aspect of Pokemon. And so, especially for our listeners that listen to the podcast, obviously, I think that this is probably going to be the coolest interview we've ever done because it's, it takes a spin away from the minority side of pokemon lovers and brings it to the vast majority and like why things the way they are in the pokemon trading card game in a sense yeah does that make sense (laughs) another big thing here for us is like jake and i have only been in the pokemon trading card game world for a little over a year now so like really yeah Mm -hmm. so while we want to talk about collecting and stuff like that like i bought the cards when i was a kid in like 99 and 2000 but outside of that like, I'm certainly no expert. So every time we talk about it, I, we kind of feel like fish out of water in terms of the collector scene because we just don't have that history that someone like you would have, Nate. I can I understand that. I mean, because with me for like competitive, you know, I'm not hardcore into the competitive scene. Um, so I'm, you know, I'm kind of like that. So when people ask me, you know, like, oh, what's uh, what's the go to deck right now or what's you know, what's some good cards. I kind of can, can point people in the right direction, but you know, if you was to ask me what, what good deck is going on right now, I would, I mean, I think the only answer I would know would be ADP. <laughs> so, <laughs> you just put ADP in anything and it's a good deck. It's inherently a good deck. If you just put ADP in it, it's, com- it's, it's too real. But yeah. before, before I was a full-time content creator, I was actually a, a certified Pokemon professor. So. Wow. Oh, that is- I, 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 that's something I don't talk about a whole lot. That's incredible. You did the whole professorship program and did you yeah. like um uh judge at your local leagues? Yeah, I did some judging. Um I did some judging on some big tournaments as well. Um wow. I think I did it for I want to say 2 3 years, something like that. 
Okay. It wasn't crazy long. Um, and then I started really getting into content creating. I wasn't able to juggle both at the same time. So, um, yeah, so yeah. That, but yeah, I did do it for a while. That's it. I'm sure maybe some of the people who've been in the competitive scene for quite a long time may know that about you, but like, I had no clue. Um, for me, like the, you know, in, in, in my mind, at least there's this weird rift between, um, the competitive content creator scene and the collector content creator scene, if you will, or the, the pack opening or whatever you want to call it. Right. Like, yeah. Um, and like, you know, in my mind, it's a ne'er the twain shall meet kind of world. But, you know, that's, it's interesting to hear that you kind of came from in, in many ways, like deep in that competitive scene as a judge. Yeah. I liked, um, I was never big into competing myself. Um, one, I wasn't that good. (laughs) (laughs) Me either. But but two, I really enjoy, I enjoyed the aspect of helping, helping people and, and just kind of being in in that atmosphere of, you know, somebody came to league for the first time and they were nervous about being there, kind of, you know, helping show, uh, show them around how things worked, um, you know, even if you had someone come in that didn't even know how to play the Pokemon TCG, that was one of my favorite things was to sit down with somebody and teach them how to play the game itself. So I enjoyed that a whole lot. It's like the biggest thing right now with uh, the Pokemon trading card game is just like teaching people how to play. Like I've seen it in my content uh, very recently of just this influx of people saying, hey, you know, I... I just started playing like a week or two ago, or I just bought these cards and I, I kind of want to learn how to play. So let's kind of steer the conversation into kind of how this has happened. So there are so many big time people, Nate, that have jumped onto Pokemon cards. You know, you got Gary V that said it several, several months ago, you know, mm-hmm. get into Pokemon cards. You got Logan Paul opening the box, Logic, even in the gaming world, like Mystic um, on Twitch started opening up Pokemon cards. So um, how, what are your thoughts on all those people joining in the mix of the Pokemon card world? Um, I, I, I'm a very positive person. So I know my, the way I think about things may not necessarily be how everybody feels. Um, and that's okay. But I, I welcome everybody. I, I feel like everybody is welcome um in the pokemon community because we're all here because we enjoy pokemon i mean it it doesn't matter if you're into the video game side if you're into the tcg the anime collecting the toys whatever it may be the core of it is we all enjoy pokemon and i think when you have very um very notable people coming into the hobby that definitely has a uh it helps the brand grow helps helps the Pokemon brand grow and and remind people that Pokemon is still around because there's a lot of people that I've seen just within the past weeks, um, you know, find my channel and they'll they'll leave a comment or they'll send me a direct message. Be like, Hey, I love the channel. I didn't realize that Pokemon was still a thing or that it was still around. You know, a lot of people thought that, you know, Pokemon was done back in the early two thousands, you know, because they got out of it. Uh, they didn't realize that it's been around this entire time. So I think it's o- opening a lot of people's eyes back up to it. So this is, this is a, uh, I think, a really good thing with a lot of people getting into it right now. No, I, like I totally that. agree. The the notion that like, look, you know, people just bringing more people into it um, is ultimately 
the good thing, a good thing, right? Like, and, and not yeah. trying to gatekeep certain people, because even if you think that you might be doing the right thing by gatekeeping this one individual, it sort of breeds this culture of exclusivity that is just not healthy for any game, collectible, community, whatever you want to call it. You know, and one thing I like to point out all the time is that Pokemon as a brand, as a brand, as a company, is still fairly new. You know, we're going into the 25th anniversary, you know, and right now Pokemon is on the path to be like the next Disney, the next Marvel, the next DC, Star Wars, all of that kind of stuff. These these brands that have been around for a long period of time. Pokemon is on the track to be one of those brands that's going to be around forever and never go anywhere. But so, but when you think about it in the grand, you know, all these years right now that, that Pokemon's been around, it's still fairly new. So this, this boom that we're having right now is really kind of the first big collector boom, you know, cause when it, when it first came out uh, in, you know, outside of Japan back in the late nineties, uh, that was just, I feel like, more of a uh, kind of a, a a trend, you know, everybody was getting into it type of situation. Um, you know, it was fairly popular. It was it was kind of brand new to everybody. Um, but now I think we're seeing the very first collector boom of Pokemon. I like the I like the idea of like the collector boom because like I think about it. So like me not being in the game as long i took a break from pokemon when i thought i was too cool in high school you know and mm -hmm. to find out that i'm actually now the coolest person i've ever been so <laughs> um, but i would have thought like the collecting started a while ago because you hear like or the collector boom started a while ago because you hear about like you know all these people that open up these vintage boxes and there's all these people that have these massive giant collections of stuff so Oh, ab yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's there's there has been really, really big collectors for years and years and years. Um, I'm talking about it more on like a mainstream level. So like the cool thing to do now is to collect Pokemon stuff. Yeah, I, I think I think we're kind of seeing that. Yeah, like the in, the in quotation type of thing of cool to collect it now. But uh, there has definitely been been collectors since pokemon's first been around you know so um it's definitely nothing new to to be a, a big time collector but i think on a mainstream level to where we're seeing a lot of uh, publicity around pokemon collecting i think this is really kind of the first time that we're seeing that yeah it's it's finally exited the world in the mainstream at least of being akin to beanie babies right because those were those both came out around the same time, and I think everyone kind of had the same thought, which is like Beanie Babies, Pokemon cards. There's all these collectibles in the '90s, and and finally, Pokemon is establishing itself. I think as like a mature collectible. Um, oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, there and like I said, there's people that have been collecting since base set, or, or even uh, even since base set in in Japan, um, that have insane, insane, crazy, awesome collections. You know. And that's so awesome that people have been collecting ever since the very beginning and now have amassed this just amazing, amazing collection. And my hat is off to those people for for doing that. So and, and you know, now that now that everybody's kind of getting back into it, it, it's awesome to see people's collections. 
So that brings me to my next like quick little question, which is like for you, how long have you been collecting Pokemon cards? Like, did you collect when you were a kid and got back into it? Or, or are you one of those uh, long-term uh, collectors? I, I'm kind of like, I view it as like a kind of a roller coaster for me. So, you know, really, obviously really big into it back in the nineties when it first uh, hit outside of Japan. Um, you know, obviously huge, huge into it. And then I kind of slowed down on my collecting, but didn't stop, you know, just buying it kind of every once in a while. And then I go through another phase to where it was like buying it all the time. And then I go down to where I just buy it every once in a while. And then I go back up. So kind of a roller coaster situation, but never fully stopping collecting. Um, but right now is the most hardcore I've ever gone into the uh, collecting. Easily. Well, I mean, you gotta you gotta be hardcore if uh, <laughs> if you if your whole career is based around the franchise, right? I absolutely, yeah, I absolutely love. It. I'm a full time full time content creator, and um, my I, I feel like my content is more uh, revolving around just having fun with Pokemon. I don't really do a whole lot of um investment talk or anything like that and i have nothing against that I, I i love watching those types of channels as well so um just for me personally that's the kind of content i upload it's just just me having having fun just being crazy and opening up pokemon cards i mean yeah like you have the sm prats of the world right who are like mm -hmm. they talk way more about like the investor collector like pretty intense side and then yeah you have your channel which is like yeah we can talk about that that's great but ultimately you know, these videos are meant to be like entertaining and fun and you get to open up awesome packs. And like, that's, you know, and I think that's honestly, that's the content that just seems to appeal to the broadest audience too. Um, just candidly, right? Like, you know, anybody can enjoy people opening packs and you can feel a little nostalgic for when you did it yourself. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I know I love, you know, you mentioned SM Pratt. I watch SM Pratt's channel all the time, you know, um, there, there's plenty of channels that I watch and I think it's just kind of whatever, whatever you enjoy when it comes to Pokemon content, whatever type of content you want, whether it be investment, um, more of just like kind of entertainment, uh, strictly entertainment based or um, even box breaks. I mean, there is content for everybody out there. And I think that's the great thing right now is that whatever you're craving, it, it's out there right now. You know, whereas, you know, maybe five, six years ago, it wasn't. I will say too the the baseball and the sports card world, um, I sort of am dabbling into that just very, very slightly um, and, and thinking about that. And it's funny how how it's much smaller, even though the baseball card collecting scene is, I would say, more mature, quote unquote, uh, you know, there's more mm -hmm. money in it. Um, but like the actual YouTube channels, I find are... Um, probably more like what Pokemon was five or six years ago, which is surprising to me given, you know, the state of both of those uh, markets, if you will. Um, mm -hmm. But it, yeah, it's, just, it's very strange. But yeah, in Pokemon, you're absolutely right. Like you can kind of find anything that you could be looking for, um, which is I think what makes this hobby in particular really great. I mean, even if you want to watch a channel where people take a Pokemon card and they finish the artwork on the card by oh painting gosh, on it. Yes. Oh, it's my favorite thing on TikTok. <laughs> uh, Pokemon card art uh, yeah. does that. And he's he, uh, phenomenal at it. 
But that's what I'm saying. Like, whatever type of content you want involving Pokemon cards, or even at this point, just Pokemon in general, it's out there. So, so what do you think personally for you? What is the most overlooked area when it comes to collecting? Like, uh, what, is, what is something that a lot of people just disregard, but you're like, man, that would be such a cool thing to collect? Are, are you talking just like TCG or just Pokemon stuff in general? Uh, you could make it either or we could we could broaden it out because I think Pokemon collecting in general has become just anything Pokemon related in turn instead of just like strictly cards. Yeah, you know, that's that's so hard because I'm I'm friends with a lot of people that collect certain certain avenues in, in Pokemon. Um, one that I feel like gets overlooked uh, fairly easy is um like uh advertising uh advertising materials uh displays or um you know i i collect a lot of like pokemon food related items like the cereal boxes and the pop tart boxes and stuff like that like i feel like that kind of stuff gets overlooked a lot and and those kind of items everybody remembers Everybody remembers seeing those on store shelves or owning, you know, the box of cereal or the jelly jars or something like that. And I feel like that stuff gets overlooked a lot. And that, that a lot of that stuff is very, very difficult to find. I actually have a couple of those uh, jelly jars. They they don't have the jelly in them like yours do, but like <laughs> mine, my <laughs> I use mine as like cups when I need like a uh, an airborne or something. You know, it's just a small cup. Yeah, that that's what I'm from. saying. Like everybody, you know, I mentioned the jelly jars, and I'm sure everybody knows exactly what I'm talking about, and everybody remembers those. But it's something that's easily forgotten about, and I don't feel like a lot of people held on to that kind of stuff. You know, mm -hmm. if you wanted, does anybody remember um, like Pokemon Egos? They had Egos. They had Egos. They had yeah. They had Pokemon Egos back in the like, day. Two thousand one, I believe. Were they Pikachu heads that were like there's four that you would get in a pack and the ears were stuck together? No. I don't know why that's in my brain. No, I mean it was just like a regular Ego, and it had like um, kind of it had like a character imprinted on it. Gotcha. I and, oh man, I used to eat Egos <laughs> every day like before swim practice in the morning. Why did I not know about this? But that's one of those things. It's like if you go to if you go to eBay right now and you type in Pokemon Egos, just looking for the box, you will not find one. And I don't know the last time one's popped up on eBay, but you could go and type in base set Charizard or you can throw a rock and you'll hit 20 of them. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, even though the base set Charizard is more collectible um, right now and more valuable you know, a Pokemon Ego box is technically more rare. Yeah. Like one so, comes up every five years on eBay, basically. Yeah. It, it, that's kind of the situation, you know, is like who who held on to that stuff? It can't be that many people that held on to these food items. Well, maybe people it's, listening to this will be like, flood the market with the Ego boxes. Go now. Please, because <laughs> I need one. <laughs> well, you've been collecting you've been collecting the food aspect at least uh for a while now. I remember seeing on your uh YouTube channel, I think it was a long time ago. Well, I think actually the first oh geez, what was the first food item I saw you bring onto the channel? It wasn't the jelly jars. It was before that. Hmm. 
was it cereal it was probably it might have been the cereal yeah yeah i think it was because i didn't you eat the cereal yeah (laughs) yeah that's why i remember it yeah it was uh that was 2000 late 2017 i believe Mm -hmm. or late 2018 one of the two i think it was Uh, late 2018 but yeah, I, I bought a box of Pokemon cereal, still sealed, which at the time you could go on eBay and the, the, the cereal boxes are not hard to find because there's a lot of cereal box collectors out there. Um, but the cereal boxes weren't hard to find and you could find one sealed for like $20, super, super cheap at that time. And so I bought one and I was like, well, it'd be kind of funny to just take a bite <laughs> of the cereal and see what it tastes like. And uh easily like i would say the smell was a lot worse than the taste oh my gosh god the smell was absolutely horrible and i thought the marshmallows were going to be the bad part but it was actually kind of like the oat oat cereal was the bad part oh it's still up on my channel if anybody wants to watch Uh Well, sticking on to like uh, sealed, I'm trying to transition this into Pokemon cards, you know, sealed product, (laughs) Pokemon cards, things like that. But do you think that Pokemon card collectors are kind of like in a bubble? And like, do you think this this hype will kind of like level out soon? Um, That might be two questions in one that that's hard to say. Uh, because like I said, I feel like we're really in our first big mainstream collecting boom. So we don't really have anything to compare that to right now. Uh, so it's hard to predict where it's, it's going as far as vintage stuff. I definitely think vintage stuff is going to continue to hold its value. I think we're going to get to a point where, you know, if you were looking at it on a graph, you know, it's going up right now. I think we're going to eventually hit a point to where it's just going to kind of flatline for a while. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then it might go up a little bit again and then kind of flatline again. You know, so I think I think vintage stuff is OK. And the good thing about vintage stuff is that everything eventually becomes vintage after a while. Um, but as far as like new stuff. It's it's rough. It, it's really rough because some days I feel like it, it's going to the bubble is going to burst any minute. And then other days I'm just like, no, I'm completely wrong. Like it's going strong and it's going to keep going. Yeah, I think like because- the thing with the thing with the new stuff to me is like there's so many more people now that are buying these Champions Path ETB specifically. And they're like, I'm going to hold on to this for 100 years and I'm going to sell it next year for five hundred dollars. Like there's going to be so many people that have these boxes ready to sell the market's yeah. gonna have so many like is it is it really going to jump the way you want I, it to i don't know i think i think with the stuff we're seeing right now i think it's you're going to need to hold on to it for a lot longer than you normally would mm-hmm. yeah you know um let's just look at like let's take a set for example um like flash fire Flash Fire came out in 2014. So we're we're what almost we're what six years yeah now from Flash Fire. And if you held on to that, that that's a pretty good investment. That goes that a booster box of Flash Fire goes for about two thousand dollars. Pretty um, pretty good. I right. For for six years ago. I think for something like Champions Pass right now, if you're I mean, granted one's kind of a holiday set and one's not 
Mm-hmm. Um, but if you're wanting a huge return on investment, I think it's going to be need to be longer than six years to see that huge return. Too. Just because everybody is holding on to it right now. Yeah. So just like you said, when everybody's holding on to it, you know, that's going to be a lot of product on eBay or on Facebook Marketplace within a few years from now. And, and you oh. have to be willing to hold on to it for that long, too. That's the thing. Oh, my gosh. I wanted to have like a sealed collection and I just couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. I like <laughs> opening too much. Yeah, you can't wake up in the middle of the night and, and go to your Evolutions booster box and start opening it up. You need to buy more ice cream, Jake. Keep <laughs> ice cream in the that. fridge. You can't do that. you got to be willing to almost just like you have to take it and then you have to hide it from yourself. Yeah, like I had it sitting on like my bookshelf and I would see it every day and I'm like, man, I wonder if this Evolutions bo- booster box has a full art trainer in it. Not a Charizard, but a full art supporter in it. <laughs> and I was like, I want it. Even though the Misty and the Brock's Grit or Bo- Brock's Determination or whatever, those are like three, four dollar cards. Those full arts. You wanted and to I pull it though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wanted to pull it though. I want to get that pack mint fresh. Oh yeah, feel to it. I'm know? right there with you. I'm right there with you. I love pulling the cards. I want to. It feels like I feel like I'm unlocking a trophy on like exactly PlayStation Four or something. <laughs> <laughs> when I when I pull the card, it's it's just an experience to have that like complete surprise. Exactly. Like, yeah. Oh it, it, there's there is a big difference I think in owning the card and pulling the card. Because oh, yeah. when, you, when you pull it, there is sentimental value, I think, attached to it. More sentimental value, I should say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's like I have a few cards that, you know, uh, like the shiny Charizard, right, from Hidden Fates. That mm-hmm. I know that it's not a PSA 10 or Jacket 10 or whatever. It's probably a 9 because it's off center. But I'm going to go grade it at some company, even if it's CGC, right? Because I don't want to wait on the turnaround times with PSA. But I just want to encapsulate it because I have this personal feeling of having pulled it right and it's like i don't mm-hmm. care if this isn't a 10 i'll spend the money and i just i'll get it put into slab whatever company it might be you mentioned cgc that's definitely taking off a little bit there yeah i, I have a friend who does comic books he did it for many years and um and i asked them about it i was like hey you know obviously they're big in that scene but and they just said they're amazing for comic books obviously i mean they don't have mm-hmm. the pedigree if you will in trading cards and in pokemon but the turnaround times, like everything I hear about them is very good. And like when you look at PSA, especially like, and I get that the PSA value, if you have something that's graded by them, is going to hold. But if you, that six month plus turnaround time for most cards that aren't, that you're not spending thousands of dollars to grade, um, it's kind of, I don't know. I think it's, it's a bit absurd at the moment. And I get that they are, they're strapped, you know, in terms of their resources, but yeah. Like, uh, yeah, I mean that's that's the thing. That's the PSA is kind of like the mainstream name. You know, that when when somebody especially if somebody is new into collecting, that's probably the one that they know about is PSA. Um and not necessarily CGC or Beckett. I think Beckett's a great way to go. I mean, if especially mm-hmm. if you're wanting to get a Charizard grade, I think Beckett if you can get that that black label. <laughs> I mean, that's, I mean, that's you know it's, it's definitely a big a big risk a big gamble to do that um but if you can make it happen that that's awesome but um I, i'm kind of i'm kind of interested to see 
to see how fast CGC will will take off because it's 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 growing a lot faster than what I thought it was going to grow. Have you personally gotten cards over there or cards graded from them? Uh, CGC? Yeah. No, I have not. Oh, okay. I've thought about it though. I definitely have thought about it. I'm gonna I'm gonna send like a a small card like a rowlet. Just a regular old rallet or something like that. Start off a little small, see see how I like their grading and whatnot. I don't know. I've never graded a card before. I don't own any. Sadly, I'm poor. I'm college kids still. <laughs> so the the way to go is Psydux. You it's want graded Psydux. Invest in Psyduck. That's what I'm telling everybody. <laughs> but you've but you've bought out the market of Psydux, right? I kind of okay. I kind of do. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, like the the Psyduck market is it, is huge. I mean, it's 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 pricey it's because huge, huge amongst me. <laughs> yeah. How many how many Psyducks do you have? Because you said that you're collecting tens, right? Yeah. PSA PSA tens. Um, is what I'm doing with Psyducks right now. How many do you have? Uh, I that I honestly can't answer because they're all just kind of like stacked up. I don't even have them on display or anything. They're <laughs> all just kind of stacked up, and I know some of them. There's only there's only like one in existence, like one PSA ten in existence, and um, so those are obviously very special. Do you not have the thing? Not that a PSA ten of it couldn't pop up, you know, a month from now, another one. Mm-hmm. With, with a lot all, a lot of the grading going on but there's definitely a lot of them up there and i originally thought that like i'm just going to do i'm just going to do english cards and i'm going to do every single version so if there's a first edition version and a non-first edition version i have to have both of them but if there is a card that was released in japan of psyduck that wasn't released outside of japan then i have to get that one too that's a hundred percent with me in the uh, Cosmic Eclipse and Dream League. Um, Dream League is probably my favorite set of all time. For those of you that don't know, that is the one of the Japanese Great sets set. that went into Cosmic Eclipse. Because I hate the yellow borders. I've said this numerous times on the podcast. I hate the yellow borders, especially on those character full rares. I the silver is so good. It's so good. It's, and, yeah, it's uh, very beautiful. And so I've been trying to get every single card from that set to have like a complete master set. Oh, and I wow. found out that there was a Lillian Clefairy promo. So yeah. it's like I, I went and oh, got okay. that and I bought it. And it's it's what I'll send you a picture of it later, Nate. It's it's quite I don't know if I've ever actually seen that before. I think that's the one that you only got if you bought a box in store, right? Like yeah. Was, yeah. And then like I, the first time I got a Dream League box was um, my friend Jack was in Japan taking a vacation and I was like, oh, my gosh, can you get one of these? And he he mailed it to me, um, but he bought he could only find it because I think the set had like just come out and it was so popular that he could only find it in like a, a second hand place or whatever. So it didn't have the promo in it. And. I was real sad, but I I ordered it for my birthday in September, and oh my gosh, it's so good! It might be a ten, too, which is yeah. even better. Maybe maybe you think about getting that graded then. Uh, yeah. It'll it'll stay in my box that doesn't move, so that it never gets touched. But uh, anyways, I, I think any- I'm to the point to where I'm going to get every side of card PSA ten. I, I'm I don't think I'm just going to stick with with English. I think I'm just going to go go big and just i mean if you if you're this deep already <laughs> yeah there's no turning back now right 
right? I mean, I've, I've already expanded to the tops cards too. So, <laughs> oh my gosh, that's awesome. Uh, and the thing is, is people always ask me like, why Psyduck? You know, like why not Mewtwo, Alakazam, Charizard, Pikachu? Psy- I, I've loved Psyduck ever since I was a kid. Psyduck makes me laugh. Psyduck makes me happy. And I've just been loyal to Psyduck ever since. So I just like Psyduck because Psyduck makes me happy. That's I mean, all. you gotta you gotta have a Pokemon that you like. All Everybody's right. got a fit. Everybody that likes Pokemon's got a favorite Pokemon, right? Even, uh, even, even the Goldines out there, right? Somebody, that, that, somebody's got to love Goldine. That's the great thing is that every Pokemon is somebody's favorite Pokemon, mm-hmm. except for Tauros. <laughs> Well, Bufalant is better than Tauros, I would say. Have you ever met somebody whose favorite Pokemon is Tauros? No. <laughs> exactly. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> if you listen to this podcast and your favorite Pokemon is Tauros, at Real Breaking Nate on Twitter. <laughs> that, okay, and I, I truly do want to know, and I've mentioned this in my videos several times, like, I don't want somebody to just be saying it to be saying it, mm-hmm. or, you know, like, oh, you know, Taurus is in my top 10. Like, I want to know whose favorite Pokemon is Taurus and they buy every piece of Taurus merchandise they can find. Like, I, I want to know whose favorite Pokemon is just, it's Taurus. I love Taurus to the end. I own everything Taurus. You've got to know this question, though, because you your podcast, the Shadowless podcast, talks a lot about collecting. Is there, like, Taurus merch out there? Like, <laughs> yeah. ever? Has there ever been like a Tauros t-shirt or a plush or I'm not so sure like about t-shirt. I know plushes, yeah. There there has really? been. Um yeah, yeah. Um they they just did uh the sitting cuties line within the past mm-hmm. couple of years, and that's where they released every single Pokemon in uh in the Kanto region. Okay. Uh so and I they did it with Johto too. Yeah, um, I will say as being a part of the original 150 probably helps. Yeah, you know. yeah. So I think there, there's definitely a lot of Tauros merchandise out there, probably. Probably going to get more love than Bufalant. Saddens me. Bufalant <laughs> is such a good Pokemon. But let's, <laughs> let's kind of move into the industry talk, in a sense. So how is, like, PokeTuber or just, like, pack opening in general kind of transitioned since you started, um, what was it, six years ago? So I, I started making content in 2014, and then I went full-time with it in 2017. Yeah, so since 2014, when you started creating content, because I imagine that you were, at 2014, you were watching content as well, and you were, you know, you were watching or reading or whatever, right? You know, it, it, it's it's kind of weird because most of my, I mean, yeah, I watched people, obviously, but... um. I think really like I, I started doing a lot of Pokemon stuff on Instagram when Instagram first started and people really, really liked it. And I was like, Oh, like, I guess I just didn't realize like how big the Pokemon community was at the time, uh, even back, you know, years ago. And then I kind of was like, Oh, well, let me, let me do this on, on YouTube as well. Um, but you know, just, just looking back and I think anybody can go to anybody's channel. Who's been uploading the past, you know, we'll say five years, you know, you can see the change and just not that specific person's content, but just the change on Pokemon content in general. 
You know, it, it's gotten it, it's definitely changed a lot. And I don't mean it in a bad way, but there's definitely changes there. Uh, it's been it's, it's very interesting to see the transformation in Pokemon content and to even just kind of like live through that transformation as well. I mean, uh, l- let me get your opinions on it. Your guys' opinions on it. Uh, have you gone back and watched some older videos and then kind of compared them to now? Uh, I mean, John. I'm not going to lie. I, I have not really done that. I think partially because, you know, on the competitive side of things, from my perspective, older videos are not, I play standard, so an older video is literally mm. not useful. That's true. Yeah, and that's then, true. And then in the collector side of things, it's this weird thing of like, you kind of want to see the newest stuff getting open for the most part. Um, unless I think, I think the exceptions to that are like when people go back and see people opening, like the more extreme openings, right? Like if you're opening Sky Ridge, that's always going Mm -hmm. to be interesting to someone or base set or whatever that might be. Um, but so yeah, I I haven't really personally gone back because I'm just like, there's so much content to watch now that I'm like, I don't, I'm not going to catch up on this. I'm just, that's me though. I think like when when I fractured my back a couple of years ago, like I definitely binged. Um, that's and that's actually when I got back into Pokemon because I it was very near the time that Ultra Ultra Moon was coming out, um, and I watched a couple of the previous years like Pokemon Championships, um, just to like watch something Pokemon. Um, mm-hmm. But definitely now, like in the last like two years i don't think i've really been able to go back i guess back in like 2014 15 to watch like old content because like i just don't have time i barely have enough time to watch yeah. the videos that i want to watch today yeah that's understandable um, i'll, I'll uh, I, what i find really interesting going back and looking at older content and i i even do it a lot with my own content of going back and looking at it because with with my content i'm very like uh adventurous i like to go out to the store i like to kind of go on an adventure and kind of document that whole process and document like what is in the store at the time and i love to go back and look at some of the older videos that i've done and see what was sitting on the store shelves at that time Mm. And, you know, you go back and you look at it and you go, wow, like there was so much on the shelf at this time or there was so much flash fire on the shelf at this time. And I use flash fire because it's one of my favorite XY sets. But um, it's just crazy, like how much of this stuff was on the shelf and not flying off the shelves like it is today and how much it's just worth in general right now. You know, I I, I uh, just recently discovered an old picture that I took um, and I, I posted it to one of my social medias. And this was back in 2014 or 2015, uh, but it's a picture of a store shelf at Target and it's got all this like plasma blast, plasma storm, Ooh. flash fire, XY base. um legendary treasures all this stuff just sitting on the shelves and in large quantities too and wow. just to look at that and go wow just like it, it was at one time all this was sitting on the the store shelf and look at the prices of it now now i'm trying to get 
a playset of executes from the plasma era and it it's costing me an arm and a leg <laughs> right and and that's crazy to think that you know all this stuff was just simply sitting on a store shelf at one time i think that's mm -hmm. a that's a nice reminder to people like you know if you are looking to get into collecting and you can't afford to buy base set you know anymore or whatever mm -hmm. um you know there's no guarantee that anything you buy today will be worth something i think steam siege is a good example of that uh but hey if you can put aside a box or two every time something comes out then like you know in you know to your point in six years you may look back and instead of being like wow there's all this product and i wish i'd have bought some and kept some like you actually did and it, that's, mm -hmm. it's a, a long-term thinking that I think is very hard to wrap your own brain around in the moment. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's like you said, long-term long -term thinking. And just like I said a bit ago, like you have to be willing to hold on to it for that long. Gotta, gotta not look at it. Gotta, yeah. gotta keep it away. It's, it's like you gotta buy it and just forget that you even own it. Like Frodo's ring. Put it in the back of your closet, <laughs> put it in an attic, buy a storage unit, put it all in there, something. You know, just just forget that you own it and then rediscover it one day. So gearing it, you we kind of briefly touched on like the change of the industry and stuff. So what's the biggest opportunity you see today in Pokemon content creation? You know, there's there's so many different platforms. There's so many different ideas like what's the biggest opportunity that if somebody was coming in and they were like nate i want to make pokemon content where, where should i start or how should i do this that's i mean that's a, a very difficult question because everybody everybody's journey is different and and certain things work for 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 people and certain things don't work for other people um you know if you were to ask me a year ago um what's something that you should do right now if you were asking me of october of 2019 the very first words out of my mouth um would have been start uploading videos to tiktok that would have been my very first thing that i said and i i, I had done a bunch of like content creating seminars um in 2019 and that was the first piece of advice that i would give people is to start uploading stuff to tiktok i think tiktok was a uh and still is a, a very very good platform when it comes to discovery um, oh i and, think it's i think it's incredible yeah and 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 obviously now it's a little bit harder to get discovered on it because tiktok has really really gone mainstream um but i i i've been doing tiktok since it first started and um I saw a lot of huge growth opportunity in that, but you know, it, it's, if you, if you know, if you're wanting to do YouTube, I think you really got to, I think you really, you know, I always tell people to be yourself. Don't try to imitate what somebody else is doing, you know, um, because if you imitate them, people, you want people to know you for you and not you for doing what somebody else is doing. Yeah, you don't want to be diet X, right? Diet whoever this person is. Right, you know, because if, if you take somebody else's idea, essentially, why would somebody watch yours when they could go watch the original? And that's not to say somebody wouldn't watch yours, but 
my my big piece of advice is to to be yourself, be be you, and uh, try to think of original ideas that you've never seen done before. And that can be very difficult to do. I'm not saying that is easy by any means whatsoever, but um, you really, really need to have those original ideas. And you kind of, I mean, if you're wanting to do this as a full-time thing, like you got to eat, sleep and breathe kind of content creating day in and day out Um, and, and always be uploading stuff. And uh, whether it be Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, whatever, but a lot of things, uh, one thing that I think a lot of people forget about is to, to have fun with it, to have fun with it. And it, there, it, it's not going to be something that's going to just work overnight. Mm-hmm. Have fun yeah. with it, be yourself and do it because this is something you truly enjoy. And if it works out, it works out. If it doesn't, that's okay because you're still doing something that you absolutely love. Yeah, I think that's yeah. that, that's a huge part, like just doing something because you enjoy it first and foremost because mm-hmm. it's such an atypical career path. Um, and it's one that has to be, it's, it's all self-guided, right? Like it's not like you go to a company and then there's mentorship and then they, so you have to be personally like really into it and if you're not, it, you're just going to burn out because it is generally for most people, I would say it's a grind. No matter how, oh, yeah. how what your like level of success is, ultimately, it's a grind for everybody. You know, you yourself probably like quite a long time to get to where you're at today where you can feel like you have some stability in that career finally. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, and, you know, it, just to think about content creating as a whole, no matter what you're doing, whether it be Pokemon vlogs, uh, unboxings of something else, whatever, whatever videos, content you're doing, content creating is a new career. This is something completely new in the world. It's not like being a doctor or, um, you know, something, something that's been around a profession that's been around for a very long time. This is content creating is completely new and we don't know how it's going to be 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years from now. I mean, we see how fast the content creating world moves and it's really hard to keep up with it. I have a hard time keeping up with it myself, but it is definitely a grind. You know, like I said, I started in 2014 creating content and, you know, working my full time job. I would, you know, um, I work my full time job. I'd come home, record, edit, upload. I do that every single day. Um and well, then finally, man. it just got to a point to where I was able to, you know, like, well, if I'm going to do this full time, like, let me really dive into the pool and do it. And if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. At least I know I tried. Yeah. But it, it's got to be something that you just go full steam ahead. So uh, there's the age old question with uh, with pokey tubers well age old we just talked about how young it is i can't really say age old the age old question old. for pokey tubers <laughs> this puzzled Rip. people for decades and decades <laughs> and by decades we really mean days but um there's a lot of people that get product early we we especially saw this with champions path where people just got these etbs so absurdly early and i I'm not saying like, how do you get it four months in advance? But 
you have gotten product a little bit early, like a week or so early, you know, Nate, you, so like, Mm -hmm. how do you usually get your product? And you don't have to tell us your distributor. Don't worry. We know that these are like, (laughs) you don't have to say that. Tell me, tell me. I I, I will. I'll tell you 100% what it is. Um, I don't have any connections uh, of getting product early. Yes. The only time I open up product early is if uh, the Pokemon company is sponsoring a video on my channel and they send me the product to open up maybe a week or a couple days early. Other than that, I don't open up anything that early. You can go back and look on my channel. I don't, I've never done like three, four, three or four weeks, rarely even two weeks before a release date, unless it's a pre-release tournament. Yeah. Um, but you know, I, I think we're definitely seeing things being opened up a lot earlier than usual right now. Um, with Darkness Ablaze, I think it was like a month early. Well, we saw the French Vivid Voltage box. Yeah, <laughs> and and that's that's crazy. That's crazy. It's so early. That's like three months early. It fell off I, a truck. <laughs> I have I I legit don't have any connections with a distributor, with a card game shop, or anything like that. Anything that I open up early is a sponsored video straight from the Pokemon Company themselves. So let's talk about kind of the present then with your openings and stuff. How do because like a lot of people, especially right now, you know. How do you get the product? Because I feel like every Kroger or Target, I not Kroger, because Kroger. I was about to say, where are you buying Pokemon? <laughs> <laughs> He's like, oh, I gotta put this place down on my list. But, I've never uh, thought about like, checking Kroger before. <laughs> I will say, sometimes Party City. I don't know if you. That's no, that's true. Yeah. So, but just uh, anyways, like I, I feel like I go to any store, and unless it's like a card shop specifically, there is no product ever. So how do you? always have stuff to open well right now we're definitely in a weird time where the the store shelves are pretty much bare so i'm having the difficulties just like anybody else going to the store um i don't i I usually i i don't go when the vendor's there um a lot of it's just by luck uh traveling around a lot and you know i'll do videos and you'll see me go to the store and find something but what you don't see is i traveled to eight nine ten other stores for the past four or five hours trying to find it as well you know so it's it's a lot of driving around trying to find it hopefully I'm lucky and find it. So right now, during this time period, I'm having a very difficult time finding it on a store shelf, just like anybody else. Um, But what I am doing right now is I know that I know that I love Pokemon. And so I know I'm going to collect anything Pokemon TCG that comes out. So as soon as a pre-order goes up, I pre-order a bunch of it. So at least I have it. Even though I'd rather find it on a store shelf, at least I know I have it and I can upload it for a video. And if, if that makes sense. No, yeah, that definitely makes okay. sense. I mean, I talked about, I talked about just uh, what twenty minutes ago about pre-ordering a Vivid Voltage pre-release kit because I was afraid, like, I don't, I don't know if I'm actually going to be able to get one on release day or mm-hmm. whatever. So it makes sense. Like pre-ordering is one of those things where, like. 
people are like, I didn't think about that. And maybe all you have to do sometimes is just like ask, like, hey, can I pre-order this instead and of the thing uh, is, is, you know, GameStop, you can pre-order any Pokemon card related item at GameStop. Mm-hmm. So as soon as it goes up, you can pre-order it. And, you know, a lot of times it doesn't go up on their website right away. So you have to ask in store is the pre-order up uh, right now. Um, but I, I will say a good tip if you're able to do this. Um, is to spread your pre-orders around. Don't pre-order everything from one location because if something falls through, they don't get their allotted shipment, uh, it just doesn't come in in time, you're not completely out. So spread your pre-orders around if you're able to do that uh, at a GameStop, at a local card game shop, at maybe an online retailer, um, and, and hopefully things work out and you know if one falls through you have some other backup ones you can go to i love that idea especially for holiday sets i have found oh yeah um just like instead of trying to be like i pre-ordered 10 from x like no no just pre-order one or two from every place but do it at 10 different places and then you'll have so much product you'll be swimming in it (laughs) no i mean that's that's a good idea is to to spread it out and if, if all of them come through then awesome then you have all of this product but you know even with um with champions past you know i pre-ordered from one two three four i think five different locations um just to make sure that i was going to have uh have stuff for my collection and be able to make some content for for people and uh some places fell through some places you know got very small shipments in and i'm still waiting for a bunch of a bunch of champions path pre-orders really yeah and and i pre-ordered it back before there was even uh, a leak of the shiny charizard so yeah this was just this is this was the pre-orders were made before there was anything known about champions pass yeah i had a i had a pre-order one pre-order <laughs> of champions path because uh, you know i only i can't afford to to do that i can't write it off as a business expense yet but uh, I, I ordered one and it uh, it got canceled. And I was like, OK, the allocation, you know, mm-hmm. got a it, it's short. I understand. Took way too many pre-orders. Then I saw them two days later list the same product at a double the price. And I was like, oh, yeah, oh, unfortunately, you know, we're, we're seeing a lot of uh, a lot of unfortunate things go on right now. It's and- like a beautiful time for the Pokemon game, but it's like a. I don't know. It's a weird time. It, yeah, weird. It, it's 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 one of those um, weird circumstances where there's definitely a lot of good coming from it, but there's a lot of negative that you kind of have to battle against at the same time. You know, whereas Pokemon is flourishing, everybody's into Pokemon cards. If you go to a store, chances are you're not going to find a lot of stuff there. So that that's definitely something you have to battle against for sure. One thing that I want to touch up on that a lot of people maybe uh, don't know the story behind is one of my favorite series that you do personally, Hidden Pokemon Cards. If you want to talk about an original idea (laughs) that we were talking about earlier, an original idea, Hidden Pokemon Cards is your thing. It is your uh it is your uh uh, i've done uh, done 73 episodes of it (laughs) exactly that's a lot that's it is is a lot that i can count but what how did how did that get started um 
uh, so funny story with it is when I originally like right before I did the very first, which I didn't know was going to be an episodic thing. I thought it was just going to be a one-time video and that was it. Um, before I did that first video, I thought that it was going to not do good at all. I was, it, it was, I had just started on the grind of doing a video every single day. And I was having a hard time trying to think of content and, and ideas to do on the channel, you know, cause I, I like to kind of do more than just open cards. I kind of like to do some extra stuff with it. And I was having such a hard time thinking of an idea. And I remember it was Thursday and I was trying to figure out a video to do for Friday. And I was thinking all day about it. I was thinking about it at work and I came home and I was, I, I told my wife, I was like, I, I don't really have any idea, but the, this one idea came to my head I remember all the time, like when I was, when I was a kid, like if my parents wouldn't buy me something, I'd hide it in the store. And I was like, well, what if we just go to the store and we just like look underneath shelves, whether it be something that somebody's hidden because you know, we've all been adults and hid stuff in stores too. Let's be honest. Okay. <laughs> um, whether it be something that somebody's hidden or that maybe has just fallen behind the shelf, you know, like when they restock the shelves, something gets fallen back there, or, you know, people are going through the shelves, pushing things around and something gets fallen and some, they don't pick it up and it just sits there forever. Like, what if we just go to the store and we just kind of like try to find that stuff and that's the stuff that we buy and we see how lucky it is. And so I was like, oh, I don't know if I want to do this. This is, I feel like this is not a, a good idea. Like who would want to watch this? And but it was interesting to me, like I thought it was interesting. I just didn't know if other people would find it interesting. So we went to the store, we filmed the first, we filmed that video, not knowing it was going to be a series. And I uploaded it and it blew up. Was, I, I think people could relate to it. Everybody could relate to either hiding something or looking for hidden stuff. And I, I think it just kind of creates an adventure. Like, you know, you start watching one of those videos and you forget that there's going to be a pack opening at the end of it. Like you forget that we're actually going to open up Pokemon cards in the video as well, because you're so immersed in the adventure of looking for this hidden or out of place stuff. And so the first video blew up and I was like, oh, wow, like, I guess people do like this. So I was like, all right, let's just make it a series and we'll do it every single Friday. And so we started doing it and. I love doing it. I love the adventure aspect of it. And I love lifting up shelves and I just like seeing what's underneath there. Not even, not even just Pokemon stuff. Like just what is underneath these shelves? I found some crazy things underneath shelves before. Um, <laughs> and they're definitely very dirty and you have to be willing to <laughs> look crazy because people are going to walk by and they're going to want to know what you're doing on the floor, looking underneath shelves or lifting up a shelf, like they're going to know what you're want, want to know what you're doing. Um, and you just kind of have to have to just not care what people think of you. So what's the craziest thing that you found? And I, I know it's not the Holland Phantoms pack that you found just the other day. <laughs> I know um, you've had better than that. What's the cra just a, a Pokemon related or just anything in general? 
honestly, it could it could really be anything. Because I remember in Man. the last video that you did, you open you opened up one of the shelves, and there was like three wrestling figures from like early years ago. Or, yeah, um, so it could be anything. I honestly I couldn't tell you because there's just so much. Like when I think of it in my my brain, all I can see is like dust and dirt. <laughs> Because that's what it is when you lift up a shelf. I always get really curious. So a lot of times I'll lift up shelves and they'll just be like single Pokemon cards sitting underneath the shelves and they'll be face down and they'll be stuck to the floor and you can't get them up. I'm always really curious of what those cards are and never, if, if they're you, new or old. That should be the next series that you do. But hurry up and hurry up and make it before somebody listens to the <laughs> podcast and takes the idea. What is the what is the secret card? peeling Pokemon cards off the floor. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, you know, it, there, there's all sorts of things underneath that shelf. Uh, it, it, even even non-merchandise, just like advertising stuff that, that they've had sitting on shelves that's like years and years and years old. Um, I'll tell you something really. It's not, it wasn't part of the series, but I just to kind of give you an idea of how long something can sit underneath a shelf. Um, I remember going to a Kmart that was closing. Everybody remembers Kmart, right? Mm-hmm. It's one of, it was one of my favorite stores of all time. Um, I don't think we have any in Indiana anymore. But I went to a Kmart one time that was closing, and they were legit selling everything in the store. Everything. Lighting fixtures, the shelves, everything was available for purchase in the store and they had pulled up every single shelf in the store and they laid out all the items that were underneath the shelves for all these years and this was this was four years ago i believe yeah not too long and not too long ago and the amount of star wars toys that was underneath shelves from back in the Phantom Menace days was crazy. <laughs> the amount of Jar Jar Binks on that table must have been outrageous. <laughs> and, right, and Phantom Menace came out in what, 99, 98? Yeah, it would have been similar era like as Pokemon releasing, basically. Yeah, and, and those toys had been sitting underneath that shelf for all those years. Gosh. It, it, it's crazy to think what could possibly be sitting out there underneath these shelves i mean what if there is a base set pack out there sitting underneath a target in the middle of iowa and it has a charizard in it i mean you don't know the yeah the possibilities are endless what are the conditions what are the conditions of those packs that you find that are under there like what's the condition of the cards because we mentioned how the pack is like all dirty and gross and you peel it off the floor. But what what are the packs like? The, the cards inside the packs, it just depends if there was any sort of small opening in the pack anywhere. Because if there is some sort of just even just the tiniest little bit of hole, they're most likely going to be damaged. Because and, and the reason why is because like when they go through and they wax the floors or they mop the floors, all that liquid kind of seeps underneath the shelves mm. and uh, can go into inside of the packs. So it can it can get pretty pretty, pretty nasty. <laughs> yeah, 
but I mean, uh, sometimes I found I found older stuff, and the cards are perfectly fine, just like it was sitting on the shelf. I mean, yeah, I guess if it sits there and there's no pressure on, like nothing's sitting on top of it, and there's no hole in the pack, then you're just sort of like, well, I mean, it's kind of mummified in some ways. It's you know, it's, right? Yeah, there, it's got a wrapper around it, and like I said, as long as there's no hole in that wrapper. I mean, it, it's going to be perfectly fine. So what you're saying I should do then, because I, I you know, Jake and I can't be, uh, you know, expected to not open boxes. We should take a box and hide it under a shelf at a Target <laughs> or a Walmart and come back in 20 years and then be like, hey, I just found this voltage free release kit. <laughs> and, you know, and, and the thing is, is that there's a good chance that if you hit it, you would probably find it in another 20 years. <laughs> Because I mean, you 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 know, uh, and Jake, you've you've seen just even in this past video, you know, the the stuff that's been sitting under there for a long period of time. So there's there's a good chance that you could hide something and come back. And like <laughs> I don't squirrel. recommend you do that, but um, but it can happen. You never know. You gotta hide it away and not tell anybody, like squirrels. And maybe you have to hide things, fake things, underneath other shelves. So. You confuse all of the other squirrels out there as to what you're hiding and where. Yeah, and sometimes I've actually found older stuff sitting on the shelf itself. Like in the and back? Do what? Like in the back, like on the way back on the shelf? Well, just like where the Pokemon cards are. Just, yeah. Just sitting on the shelves in this older stuff is definitely like, where did this come from? Like, there's no way that they had this in stock and or at the distributor and they're just now stocking it. Um, and what I have found is that sometimes even employees will hide stuff in the stock room and then they'll either quit or they'll get fired or they'll just forget about it. And then when they go through and do like inventory or something like that, they'll find this product and they'll put it on the shelf. Oh, okay. So, you know, you never know when you walk into a store just because, just because the vendor hasn't been there to stock recently doesn't mean that there might not be something on the shelf. Well, uh, keep, keep that in mind. I, I, I probably think way too hard about this stuff, <laughs> but it's what intrigues me. You know what I mean? Like this, this is what intrigues me. I like the thought that there's an adventure out there that's just waiting to happen. Even if it is going and finding some Pokemon cards, I like that stuff. It excites me. I like mm -hmm. the modern day archaeology, if you will. Right. Exactly. Um, I think, uh, yeah, I think the last uh, question that I have really is like, in terms of people getting into the hobby now, because we talked about kind of seeing this big explosion, um, but like uh, alongside that, prices are skyrocketing uh, for a lot of products, mostly older products. But yeah, what would you, uh, what tips would you give to people who are just now coming into the hobby that want to invest? I mean, who, who want to collect? I think the the idea of collecting being like long term. So people who are in it who like genuinely are interested in the cards, love the cards. Um, I, I'm sure budget has a big part of this, right? If you come into the hobby with a million dollars and mm -hmm. get whatever you want. <laughs> um, for the average person who's coming in and seeing these prices go up and, and maybe a little bit discouraged, what would you, what advice would you give to them? I honestly think like, you know, if you're getting into collecting Pokemon cards for the first time, or you're getting back into collecting Pokemon cards, um, there's something different and unique about every single set, every single pack of Pokemon cards, even Steam Siege. 
even Steam Siege, there's something unique about every single set. And I I honestly truly feel like you're not going to be disappointed with anything that you buy. And that's and that's coming from coming from me who just truly enjoys everything about Pokemon. Um, I think there is just something fascinating about every single set. So, you know, just go to the store, buy, buy just, uh, you know, one or two packs off the shelf and see how that makes you feel just buying whatever it is. Did you get excited because you were just simply opening up a pack of cards and you were excited to see what was inside? Because if it's that, then you're going to be excited about anything that you buy. And that's awesome. You know, um, if you have a, a favorite Pokemon, go online and figure out which sets your favorite Pokemon is in. Buy those sets. Try to get your favorite Pokemon. It just really depends on, on how you want to collect. I love a good deal. I love deals on Pokemon cards. I don't care what set it is. If it's Steam Siege and I can get that, get that pack for a dollar, I'm there all day. Because there's nothing better than getting a good deal on Pokemon cards. I love dollar store stuff. I could buy dollar tree packs of Pokemon cards all day long. For one dollar and a chance to pull any card from the set, I think that's a win-win situation right there. You get some Pokemon cards, plus you get that opportunity to pull whatever card from the set. This is going to be the run uh, or the run, the end, the end of the run. That's what I was trying to say of the interview. The, the floor is yours right now to plug. Well, almost anything that you want. Um, obviously, <laughs> obviously keep it, uh, keep it Pokemon uh, style PG family friendly. Well, Pokemon is like G, I think. I was about to say, yeah. I mean, don't you plug your OnlyFans account. What are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> I don't, I don't think you need to worry about that with me. Um, but anyways, plug what you need. Plug what, what do you want people to know and go to and find you at? Um, I mean, you, you can go anywhere and just look up Real Breaking Nate. YouTube, TikTok, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. It's all Real Breaking Nate. Um, and you got your podcast we, too, right? Yeah, yeah. The Shadowless podcast uh, that we upload every single Wednesday on iTunes, Spotify. We have a Shadowless podcast YouTube channel. We've been doing the Shadowless podcast since uh, January 1st of 2020. Both myself and the magnificent Jordan Fringe, who's also another amazing content creator that you should check out. Um, I, I, we just get together and we just talk Pokemon just like you guys do and just have have fun with it. Um but yeah, new episodes of that every single Wednesday. But if, if you want to find me anywhere, just real breaking Nate. Um, you want to send me a direct message, say hi. You're more than welcome to. I'm just enjoying Pokemon just like everybody else. I'm just, I'm just here for the journey and to make friends, to create memories, and just have a good time. And, and trying to be as positive along the way as possible. And put, put some good into the world. That's, that, that, <laughs> let, me, let, me, let, me, let me just say something real fast. I want to give all of you a piece of homework right now. Everybody listening. No, I don't like homework. No, no. I have so much homework. No, this this won't take much time at all. All right, bet. Just anybody that you know, a friend, a family member, whatever, just send them a text message and let them know how much they mean to you and that you're thinking about them. That's all. I mean, something simple like that can change the course of someone's day, week, or year. So 
put put some positivity out there in the world. Because we all need some more positivity. And that's positivity. that's all I ask of all of you. Even if you don't want to check out my channel or anything that I do, that let that be the one thing that I ask of you to do. Sean, Jake, you look cute today. <laughs> there you go. Aw. I don't Easy. even know how you can see me, but thank you. <laughs> I, I, we definitely saw you earlier before we did the show. You showed off your new space. I had plate. to show off my new space. So. <laughs> ha, ha, ha. Now, if you told me that I was cute, I would call you a filthy fat liar because you, oh, you would not know what you, you would not know. Spread you positivity, know. Jake. What are you doing? All yeah. right. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I think that's going to wrap it up for us. Lovely, lovely note to end on. Thank you so much for joining us, Nate, and spreading positivity. Uh, Thank you all for for letting me come on here. I appreciate that. And I would love to come back on anytime you guys want. Nate, what's your favorite gym leader in Pokemon? And don't say Misty. Why can't I say Misty? <laughs> because I knew you were going to say Misty, so I want to hear something else. <laughs> Misty's my favorite.